Welcome to Noggin, the Simple Psychology Podcast, where we discuss scientific research in simple and exciting ways that is applicable to everyone. I'm Ben Rasmussen. And I'm McKay Heaton. And we are your hosts. What do you think, shouted Razumikhin louder than ever? You think I'm attacking them for talking nonsense? Not a bit. I like them to talk nonsense. That's a man's one privilege over all creation. Through error, you come to the truth. I am a man because I err. You never reach any truth without making 14 mistakes, and very likely 114. And a fine thing, too, in its way. But we can't even make mistakes on our own account. Talk nonsense, but talk your own nonsense, and I'll kiss you for it. To go wrong in one's own way is better than to go right in someone else's. In the first case, you are a man. In the second, you know better than a bird. Truth won't escape you, but life can be cramped. There have been examples, and what are we doing now? In science, development, thought, invention, ideals, aims, liberalism, judgment, experience, and everything, 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 we are still in the preparatory class at school. We prefer to live on other people's ideas. It's what we are used to. Am I right? Am I right? cried Razumikhin, pressing and shaking the two ladies' hands. All right. Welcome, everyone, to Noggin. Today, we're going to be talking about reading fiction. So I wanted to start off our show today with this quote from Crime and Punishment because it is my favorite book. And in fact, the inspiration for this episode came from a class I took last year. It was Russian literature, and we read Crime and Punishment among some other books, one of which I will share a passage from today later in the episode. But before we started reading any of these books, our professor had us read some research on reading fiction and its benefits. And I was convinced, and hopefully all of you will be as well after listening to this episode, reading fiction can have a very positive influence on a reader. And it definitely has had a positive influence on me. Um, I was extremely glad that I took this class. This is one of my college generals, but I did not regret taking it. Crime and Punishment is an extremely powerful book. I would recommend it to anybody. And so today we're going to be talking about reading fiction, reading literary fiction, its benefits, and how it can help you all as well in your lives. Yes. I'll take the first study, uh, which is entitled, How Does Fiction Reading Influence Empathy? An Experimental Investigation on the Role of Emotional Transportation. And this one's super great. I loved learning about this because I did not know about this before Ben said he wanted to do this episode. So I learned a, a bunch reading this paper. In this study, 66 Dutch students were separated into two different groups, the control group or the fiction group. Each group started by filling out a survey with demographic information, an empathy scale, and other unrelated surveys just to hide the purpose of the experiment. The fiction group read a chapter of a fiction book. The control group read uh, clippings from a local newspaper. They then provided a summary of what they had read just to make sure that they understood and knew what they were reading. Both groups filled out the emotional transportation scale, empathy scale, and other unrelated scales. One week later, the participants filled out another empathy scale and the other unrelated scales again. So they filled out these scales before reading, and then they read, and then after reading, they filled them out again, and then one week later, they filled them out again. So we have these three points of contact. The emotional transportation scale looked like questions like these. This affected me emotionally, and then you'd rate that from one to seven, seven being the highest. Or when the subject suffered, I suffered too. When they were happy, I was happy too. And then the last example that I have for you is I felt sorry for the character. So these are the kinds of things that they're rating. 
the empathy scale looks like I am touched by the things I see happen. And I don't feel sorry for people when they are having problems. And so that was obviously a reverse question, but they still use it. All right, so that's how the experiment was set up. Now the results, this is what's really exciting. So those in the fiction reading group who had high scores on the emotional transportation scale tended to have the highest scores on the empathy scale as well. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's really interesting. So if you felt invested in this story, you felt more empathy for other people in general. Crazy. Hmm. That is awesome because I want more empathy. So I'm going to have to start reading fiction more. They also found that those in the fiction group who had low scores on their emotional transportation scale tended to have the lowest scores on the empathy scale. So if they were unable to put themselves in the character's shoes, then they did not feel as much empathy for other people. Hmm. And then the last finding they had was there was no correlation between empathy and emotional transportation in the control group. So the newspaper article people, they just, there was no correlation between the empathy and the emotional transportation. Wow, that's really cool. So those who were able to put themselves in the shoes of the character had higher scores than those who didn't get quite as invested in the book. Exactly. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because if you have the capacity and ability to think of someone else, even if it's a fictional person, Mm -hmm. then then you would have that same capacity in real life. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. There's also another thing I would like to know is that these people, these experimenters, did the experiment again, but after reading the text, the participants took a survey to measure their emotional states just to make sure that their empathy wasn't due to their emotional states, and they found that emotional states didn't affect empathy or emotional transportation. Hmm. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah, so I was thinking about what questions our listeners would have about this particular study. One thing I came up with was, so are you saying to me that the best way to have empathy is to read fiction? And I would say, maybe not the best way. I don't know all the other ways, but I know reading fiction is one way to increase empathy. So I I feel like that's a good way. But you need to make sure that you are invested in this story and that you are emotionally transported into the story. Hmm, Yeah. And at least for me, you can you can talk about your own experience, Ben. But for me, I remember very specific books where I was invested for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I, I will never forget being a nine-year-old and crying to a book for the first time when I read Where the Red Fern Grows. <laughs> <laughs> that is a sad, sad book. That is a sad book. The, 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 the tears spilt onto uh, the pages. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me... I think one of the first books that I was so excited to read was Harry Potter. I, you know, it was my sixth grade graduation and everyone was having parties and hanging out with friends because that day we had graduated, but I was on like the last 50 pages of the seventh book of Harry Potter. And I was like, nope, see you guys, ran home, <laughs> locked my door and just read for the next like three hours because I was just so excited, <laughs> so excited to know what happened in the end of Harry Potter. So that was my first experience that I remember of being just engrossed in Mm, a book. That's awesome. Yeah, good books can change lives, that's for sure. So this idea of being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes is the topic of our next paper. So it's called Reading Literary Fiction Improves Theory of Mind. It's by Kidd and Castano in 2013, and it was published in Science, which is a big research journal. 
I've got a quick question for you, Ben. Yes. Just from that title, what is the definition of theory of mind? Good question. So theory of mind is defined as the human capacity to comprehend that other people hold beliefs and desires and that these may differ from one's own beliefs and desires. So it's basically this idea that you can comprehend that other people's experiences and beliefs and opinions are different from yours and that that's just how the world works. So the researchers wanted to understand how reading fiction can improve your theory of mind. So based off of this research with empathy, researchers wanted to understand how putting yourself in another character's shoes can help you understand that they have their own opinions, they have their own beliefs, and how those might be different from yours. So in experiment number one, they gathered 86 participants who were randomly assigned to read one of six short texts. So three of those were literary fiction and three of them were nonfiction. And so it's an important distinction in this study, the difference between literary fiction, so books that are classics, books that have won awards, and books that have withstood the test of time, as people like to say. And then pop fiction is something else we'll talk about as well. And those are things that are really good books, but they might not be as challenging, might not be as complex, more of the popular type of books. So like I said, they were assigned to either a literary fiction passage or a nonfiction passage. So they had three literary fiction groups and three nonfiction groups. Next, the participants completed a false belief test as a measure of cognitive theory of mind and an advanced affective theory of mind test, the reading the mind in the eyes test, in which they were asked to identify facially expressed emotions. So theory of mind scores were higher in the literary fiction than the nonfiction group, and those that had more familiarity with fiction also had higher scores. Not only did the people in this experiment who were assigned to read the fiction have higher theory of mind scores, but also the people who, no matter which group they were assigned to, had more familiarity with fiction before participating in this experiment. Very interesting. Very interesting. So when you described theory of mind and how the experimenters tested for it, I had a question, which was how does theory of mind differ from, say, empathy, which was measured in the previous article? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So empathy is this ability to understand and share the feelings of another. So this is when someone stubs their toe, you're able to understand, oh, wow, that really hurts. I feel so bad for you. When someone's going through something mentally or emotionally challenging, you're able to understand that experience and you're able to share those feelings. Whereas theory of mind is just this idea that others have different beliefs and opinions than you. So if you are a devout Democrat, having good theory of mind is just being able to understand and accept that there are also devout Republicans who are just as intelligent as you are. Interesting. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because in the first study, the way they measured empathy was I am touched by the things I see happen or I feel sorry for people when they are having problems mm -hmm. because they have those same emotions. So it seems yeah. like theory of mind is a little bit more like intelligent and just understanding that people differ in their opinions. And empathy is really feeling for those people who have different experiences or different, you know, emotions. Right. Yeah. Empathy is much more of an emotional experience, whereas theory of mind is more of a cognitive process. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So next, they recruited 114 participants who were randomly assigned to a literary fiction group, a pop fiction group, or no reading group, which was their control group. With these same measures, the literary fiction group did slightly better than the pop fiction group in theory of mind. And there were five experiments. I'm just going to keep running through these. In experiments three and four, 
they ran very similar experiments with some minor tweaks, and they found that the literary fiction group had significantly higher theory of mind scores than the pop fiction group. And in experiment five, they ran the experiment again, but they wanted more people. So with 356 people this time that were divided into the three groups, the result was the same, with the literary fiction group doing better than the pop fiction group and the control group in a theory of mind test. So the researchers concluded that reading literary fiction improved theory of mind better than pop fiction, which was better than not reading at all. Very interesting. I wonder why literary fiction is a little bit better. So one thing that the researchers mentioned is that often in literary fiction, like I said, these books have withstood the test of time, as people like to say. These characters are much more complex at times, and so they have much more complex thinking patterns, and the authors take years, and they devote their whole lives to writing these novels. So the characters are just a little bit more developed in literary fiction than they are in pop fiction sometimes. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. Because typically these literary novels are longer and mm -hmm. the characters are, are more developed. They, right. have, they have more facets to their personalities. Mm -hmm. Which these books are oftentimes more challenging to read. That is another thing to keep in mind. I'm sure some people were really turned off from literary fiction in their high school classes because these books are challenging. And you had a timeline to read them and your teacher was really trying to encourage you. And that can be really stressful. And so some people don't like to read those books because they're a little more challenging. Very interesting. So if you love literary fiction or if you love pop fiction, both are good. Both are good. Mm -hmm. I would say keep reading what you love. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because they both have benefits. Just know that literary fiction is a little bit better for theory of mind if mm -hmm. you want to develop that in your own life. One thing for me, too, is I, as a student, don't necessarily always have the mental bandwidth to devote time regularly to reading a challenging literary work. So oftentimes during the semesters, that's when I tend to read more pop fiction or easier reads. And then during the summer when I'm not in classes and I have a little more mental bandwidth, that's when I break out my summer reading list and I read some literary fiction. So it's important to understand your own situation and not try to read something that you don't necessarily have the mental bandwidth for. I wouldn't try to read Crime and Punishment just for fun during a full semester. That's just not something I have the mental capability to do. Yeah, totally, totally. So Ben, tell us a little bit more about just fun facts from other studies that they found about reading fiction, because I haven't gone through the research mm -hmm. as much as you have. Yeah, so other studies have found that reading fiction has been linked to a reduced risk of dementia later in life. Reading fiction is also associated with less judgment towards others and more respect towards others, increased imagination, and improvement of linguistic abilities. So people learn more words, people are less judgmental and more understanding of others. There's increased creativity and imagination. Another thing too is participants in a study who read fiction had better social cognition than nonfiction readers and non-readers. So social cognition is how people process, store, and apply information about other people and social situations. So the people who read more fiction were better at that than nonfiction readers and also non-readers. Wow. I love those benefits, especially dementia. I mean... If you've ever known someone with dementia, you know that you don't want it mm -hmm. because it's a tough thing to live with. It's a tough thing for your family to live with. And if you reading fiction can help slow that and stop that, wow, I would totally do that, especially if I was retired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Reading fiction has lots of benefits, but overall, it just kind of helps you stay sharp and it helps you continue to learn. So if you are out of high school, if you're out of college and you're not necessarily actively in a classroom anymore, 
Reading fiction can be a fun and easy way to learn some new words, to relate to others, and to go on a fun adventure with the author. It seems like it keeps your brain sharp a little. Yeah, for what, sure. It kind of just it's, describe it it's, as. Yeah, it's like a sharpener. Nice. So one question I thought our listeners might have, McKay, is does this mean that nonfiction reading is no good? For me, I haven't dove into the research as much as you, and I'm not certain. I know for me, I read a lot of nonfiction. I'm not a huge fiction reader. I love it. I think it helps me. I think there are benefits from it. And we've seen that there are some benefits. And so I would say, yeah, nonfiction is a great thing to read if you like reading nonfiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think one thing that's important to keep in mind is with nonfiction, you might not necessarily be increasing your empathy for the characters that don't exist in nonfiction books oftentimes. But there is lots of great information that can be learned from reading nonfiction. I think that's a direct benefit. So if I'm reading a textbook for one of my classes... I might not necessarily be improving my theory of mind, but I'm learning about whatever that book is about. Exactly. So nonfiction has its own benefits and fiction has its own benefits. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so we've exactly. just talked about fiction's benefits mostly. Today. Right. And that was one reason we wanted to do this episode is because a self-help book is kind of self-explanatory. It's you read it and you're trying to help yourself. But fiction often gets looked over because sometimes people just think it's just something fantastical and just something that's fun to do that has no other benefits. But we wanted to show you that there are benefits to reading fiction. So another question I have for you, McKay, is what about documentaries and films? That is a good question. Actually, our sound guy, Yale, brought it up because he's a film guy. And at least for me, this is my experience. I, I told you guys about the reading Harry Potter experience that I had in sixth grade, how excited I was, how invested I was. And I've noticed in myself that when I watch certain movies, that I am just as invested in that movie as I was in reading Harry Potter. And it's like kind of an emotional state mm -hmm. and a mental state where I'm like in the movie. At least I feel like I'm in the movie. To me, that feels amazing. And I love being emotionally invested in a story. And so I think that what Yale said is probably pretty accurate in that film can do the same thing that fiction can do or even nonfiction. I just think that the emotional state that I experience is very similar while reading books and watching movies that I love. But that's obviously one person's experience. But I would love to do a future episode on film mm -hmm. and see what kind of research there's been done on film and what benefits people have gotten from watching movies. Yeah, I'm glad we could share this moment with all of you. We just discovered a future episode topic. <laughs> that was great. It was great. A few takeaways I had from reading the research about fiction is that reading fiction especially literary fiction gives us an opportunity to escape this reality and go into another one kind of like mckay was talking about with harry potter that an author has created for us so we can learn to relate to the characters in the story that have different experiences and different perspective on things that will help us in our daily lives another thing is in today's often divisive world we need the ability to relate to others and especially to relate to those who have different opinions and beliefs than us it's important to be able to put ourselves in their shoes and to try to understand their point of view as well to empathize with their experience. So reading fiction can help us be better people and can help us treat those around us better. I just want to say a big amen to what Ben said because we definitely need some more empathy in the world. And so for me, my takeaway is like, I'm going to read fiction. I, I've already decided I'm going to start reading Chronicles of Narnia. That's <laughs> Those are the books next up Classic. on my list. I'm going to read them with my wife. 
And I am looking forward to those benefits that are going to come from reading fiction. And maybe I'll do an every other book reading where one's fiction, next one's nonfiction, one's fiction, next one's nonfiction, because I love nonfiction. Oh, yeah. But that's the that's what I'm going to do. That's my takeaway from reading this research. Yeah, that's great. And another thing to keep in mind, too, is in addition to any benefits that reading fiction has, it can also be really fun. So if high school reading turned you away from reading literary fiction, we would challenge you to give it another try. Get a book recommendation from a friend or someone that you know that loves literary fiction. I would also be happy to recommend books to anyone who is interested. So feel free to reach out. (laughs) It's amazing how much less tedious reading literary fiction is when you don't have to do it for school, when there's no teacher who is keeping tabs on how many pages you've read, when there's no quizzes to take after, when you can just sit back and enjoy a really good book. Amen. Hallelujah. So to close today's episode, we would like to finish where we started. I have two passages from the end of two of my favorite books. One of them I read in that Russian literature class, and the other one I actually just finished yesterday. And I thought, this ending is so good, I need to share it with all of our listeners. So this first section comes from Dead Souls, which is by Nikolai Gogol. He was a Russian author that lived in the 1800s and wrote this book. And I won't spoil the entire book, but it's basically a reality check for the readers to understand if they are a living soul or a dead soul in the way they live their life. He closes with this very powerful paragraph addressed to the country of Russia, but it's also addressed to everyone who is reading as well. And you, Russia, are you not like a brisk, unbeatable troika? Troika is just a three-horse carriage. Racing on, the road smokes under you, bridges rumble, everything falls back and is left behind. Dumbstruck by the divine wonder, the contemplator stops. Was it a bolt of lightning thrown down from heaven? Was it the meaning of this horrible movement? And what unknown force is hidden in these steeds unknown to the world? Ah, steeds, steeds, what steeds? Are there whirlwinds in your manes? Is a keen ear burning in your every nerve? Hearing the familiar song from above, all in one accord, you strain your bronze chests and hooves, barely touching the ground, turn into straight lines flying through the air, and all inspired by God, it rushes on. Rus, where are you racing to? Give answer. She gives no answer. Wondrously, the harness bell dissolves in ringing. The air rumbles, shattered to pieces, and turns to wind. Everything on earth flies by, and looking askance, other nations and states step aside to make way. So the author just kind of asks us, where are we headed? Are we living souls, or are we dead souls? Are we living our lives actively, and are we trying to make the most of this experience on this earth? Or are we just living passively and just letting our lives pass by? So that's a question I would ask for you as well. And this next passage comes from The Phantom Tollbooth, which is written by Norton Juster. This one's kind of a quirkier book, but it's one of my favorites. And so You're a quirky guy. (laughs) I am a quirky guy. I read quirky books. And so this book is about a young boy who goes on an adventure in a mystical land. And after he returns from this adventure, he is sitting back and just kind of pondering what happened and wanting to go on another adventure. But he realizes that the adventure is over and he needs to move on with his life. And so he says, And yet, even as he thought of all these things, he noticed somehow that the sky was a lovely shade of blue and that one cloud had the shape of a sailing ship. The tips of the trees held pale young buds and the leaves were a rich, deep green. Outside the window, there was so much to see and hear and touch, walks to take, hills to climb, caterpillars to watch as they strolled through the garden. There were voices to hear and conversations to listen to and wonder, and the special smell of each day. 
And in the very room in which he sat, there were books that could take you anywhere, and things to invent, and make, and build, and break, and all the puzzles and excitement of everything he didn't know. Music to play, songs to sing, and worlds to imagine, and then someday make real. His thoughts darted eagerly about, as everything looked new and worth trying. Well, I would like to make another trip, he said, jumping to his feet. But I really don't know when I'll have the time. There's just so much to do right here. So this is kind of just his challenge to all of us to look around us and to find adventure in our everyday lives and to make the most of this experience. So kind of two similar things. And that's kind of how we want to close off our episode. Think about how you can make your life an adventure of literary fiction. What can you do to make your ordinary extraordinary? You have been listening to Noggin, the Simple Psychology Podcast. Thank you for listening to our show. We really appreciate it. We have shared with you only a few articles of the thousands that have been published on this subject. Though we wish we could go more in depth, we hope you've enjoyed our introduction and interpretation of this topic. We don't claim to know everything, but we have shared with you our takeaways from reading this research. I'm McKay. And I'm Ben. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye.